Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello. Thank you for going to the Les Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why can't you say tires? Vive Clucot. It's the same thing. Just say tires. Where do we pick up from? Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Center in the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. Luke Anderson, astronaut. A man barely interesting. I also uh, went to a school dance with a girl that watched Titanic, I think, 17 times in the theater. It was a different time back then. Will Darkens, hot air balloon attendant, frightened by technology. There's HBO hot where it's like you watch it and you're like, wow, she's dangerous. I'm into that. We have the capability to build the 33rd best radio show in Portland. On Saturdays, about sports. The Sinner and the Saint will be that show. Better than they were before. Funnier. Sportsier. More Labradoodles. On 1080, The Fan. All right, it's hour two. If you missed anything from hour one, you can go on 1080thefan.com and download the Les Schwab Tires podcast. And you can listen to it there, and then you won't have missed anything. Yeah, take so it technically, it's go. impossible for you to miss anything. Get it on the radio.com app. That's true, too. Mow your lawn and listen to us. It's a brilliant idea. It's about time you mowed that lawn. It looks terrible. Yeah, mow your lawn, jerk. What is wrong with you? You, you know, have neighbors. Single, every single time we drive by your house, my wife and I just dig into your lawn. Yeah, I mean, it's just... You're embarrassing yourself, and you know people spend a lot of money for those nice houses around you. Yeah. And why do you have to be the eyesore in the neighborhood? You are driving the property value down, sir. Yeah. We're gonna start an HOA just to get you to mow your lawn. Yeah. I don't care how long you've lived there. And then we're gonna find the worst picture of you possible to put on the newsletter. Absolutely, we are. That one where you thought you could pull off the tank top and you couldn't. Yeah. That'll teach you to shop at the. Maybe gap. you wear that stupid shirt when you mow your lawn, you jerk. Did you read through the whole Jalen Ramsey list? Uh, I did, and it was awesome. All of it spot on. That's a very – the funny thing about it is it's a very uh, – it reminded me of you. <laughs> this is the way you react to players. You 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 very much have very quick one-word opinions, and you very rarely move from them. Yeah, it takes a lot. It does. So uh, I wanted to just throw a couple that I weren't sure how accurate they were, and I'm just going to kind of surprise you with a couple of names here. Yeah. And I just want to get your quick reaction that I don't know that I necessarily agreed with uh, your boy. But uh, now, hold on a second. He's not quite my boy yet. Okay. Let me get your one-word opinion on uh, Matt Ryan. Okay. I'm asking you the question. Oh, you're asking me? Yeah. Uh, Matt Ryan, 
How overrated. <laughs> You're just going to copy the Jalen Ramsey Actually, one? I really genuinely feel he's overrated. Do you really? Yes, of course he is. What do you mean? He took his team to a Super Bowl. No, he didn't. Yes. Kyle Shanahan did. <laughs> oh, give it all to the offensive coordinator well, who it, designs the offense around the quarterback. Dude, it seems pretty obvious to the fact that he had an incredible season under Kyle Shanahan, and then the next season he just drops off the face of the earth. Oh, by the way, your number one receiver is Julio Jones. How hard is your job? <laughs> you literally just re, re, dude, re- how hard you is your job? You said everything Jalen Ramsey just said. How hard? Oh, gee. That's the same thing as Matt Stafford and uh, um, Calvin Johnson. Right. right. Well, I was hoping I was hoping that you wouldn't let him influence your things, but clearly that's not the case. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna abandon this right now before it gets worse. It's lit. <laughs> You've been talking about Josh Gordon returning to the Browns. Yeah. Did you see that he could face jail time in a um, in a child support case? Yeah, that's great. That's just about right. I think. <sighs> yeah. So uh, they apparently starting August first, uh, Josh Gordon is supposed to pay something around $6,500 a month based on his $800,000 salary uh, to the woman who is the mother of his child. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is NFL players don't get paid until they get their game check. And Josh Gordon hasn't exactly been a consistent present in the NFL, presence in the NFL since he started in the NFL. So his first game check shows up September 9th after they play a game. So he does not get paid. So he could be facing up to 60 day, days in jail for child support. Dude, he couldn't take out a loan, really? I didn't say that it's been resolved. I'm just reading you the information that I have. Yeah. Of course, he can probably figure it out now. Yeah. But again, this or guy... Like borrow money? This know. guy just can't avoid trouble. It's, well, ki- it's kind of the case. As much as we want to see him on the field, we want to see him play football because he's talented, this guy is a tragic case of a guy that can't get out of his own way. Well, and I'd like to kind of... You know, there's, there's a part of me that would want to dig deeper into the source of Josh Gordon's problems, really. I mean, this is obviously a very troubled individual, somebody who just isn't able to live a consistent and... Was it CBS Sports that did the the short documentary on his rehab and return to the... Yeah, I NFL? didn't watch it. Watch it. That'll give you an insight. I mean, what is it? Family, dad, mom? I mean, abandoned? It, it's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, some of the bad habits that he developed around uh, around drugs and alcohol were, you know, uh, he had a lot of enablers in his life. Because mm-hmm. he's so talented, he was going to be successful athletically unless he derailed it. And they got him all the way to the NFL before he did. A lot of the coaches and, and support staff he had at Baylor were very supportive of whatever bad decisions he made. Same thing happened before then, so... Yeah, it's it's when you keep making bad decisions and you don't see any, you know, negative impact on your life and you just keep being the football star, you keep proceeding like that's how you should act. Well, and I think that this is kind of uh indicative of a lot of players is that you is that you grow up in circumstances that aren't aren't uh, obviously ideal. And then you find yourself in situations because of the talent you have in circumstances that are extremely ideal. In fact, they're idealistic. They're something that you would have never imagined. And I always point back to Marshawn Lynch in this case. Marshawn Lynch gave one of the greatest interviews to ESPN (laughs) 60. Oh, well, what he did, because they asked him at the time, um, this was right after he had gotten a DUI with the Bills. And they'd said, well, what kind of example do you think you set for... uh, potential NFL players who fall into this situation, then they just get into trouble, though they can't seem to handle success. 
And he looked at the interviewer and he goes, well, here's my question for you. I would like to, can you please show me somebody who grew up the way I did where even up until the, up until the point I went to Cal, like I wasn't sure I was going to have dinner on the table from my family because my dad ran off and my mom's working two jobs. Uh, And then I go from that to millions of dollars each month and being completely acclaimed throughout the country and thought of as one of the best running backs and be, and have everything given to me. Like, how do you think that would affect your psyche yep. or the person's psyche who had to experience that? And I guess he made a really great, uh, great point because I think a lot of these guys come from crappy situations and greatness is just completely dumped on them and they don't know how to handle it. And who would? Well, but it's also, it's, it's also a situation where so many people benefit from their success, right? So you have a bunch of yes men around you going, yeah, you do what you do as long as I get to be there when we, we reap the rewards, right? You have agents, you have coaches, you have people. I mean, I mean, how often do we see it, especially in college basketball, you know, Michael Porter Jr. is looking for a college to go to. All of a sudden his dad gets a job at Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's things like that. But the other case that's, I think, similar to, to this is you look at it where you talk about reinforcing bad behavior. And all of us are looking at Zach Smith, the wide receivers coach that was fired by Ohio State. And we go, oh, how could they let him continue to do this bad behavior and, and keep him on staff? Well, there's a lot of people that probably think Zach Smith's hilarious. And we found out some of the bad behavior that he did was – Taking a lot of uh, nude selfies uh, around the uh, around the Ohio State program, he's got pictures of himself having sexual relations with one of the uh, OSU staffers. He's got a picture of himself in the White House when they went for their national championship visit. He shot himself a little uh, little Zach next to the presidential seal on the towels in the bathroom. The guy thinks he's awesome. And there's probably enough people around him that tell him he's awesome that he didn't think he was doing anything wrong. And that's one of the big problems that we have is you have – we talk about culture and why Urban Meyer needs to be in in some sort of you know punishment or there needs to be some sort of reaction to Urban Meyer because of the way this guy acts is he doesn't do that if everybody looks at him and goes, Zach, you're the worst person I've ever met. Nobody wants you around. There's enough negative, people. Re- negative reinforcement is what you're the, saying. Yeah, there's enough people to go, dude, this Zach, man, he's a wild card. you got to watch out for what he does. And then he goes home kinking, thinking that he's the king of the world, and his wife says something to him, and he pops her. I mean, that's there's enough reinforcing the negative behavior that these guys do, yeah. and that's the problem. And that's the culture thing that we talk about, whether it's Ohio State or whether it's Maryland, is, yeah, from the outside, it's pretty obvious to go, if your strength coach – thinks that it's okay to let a guy seize up and not call the hospital, and now this guy dies. That's not one bad decision. That's a culture that's built around these bad decisions. Let me just say that if you told me everything about Zach Smith that you just did and you left out the part about him punching, hitting, and pushing his pregnant wife, Mm -hmm. I would think he's pretty funny. Sure. I kind of would. And I admit that he ordered, he ordered, what was it? 2000. I have the article up here. I guess I could probably take a look. Um, he had $2,200 worth of sex toys sent to, uh, the Ohio state offices. That guy is hardcore, but then you hear about his wife and you go, Oh, "Oh, that guy's not that hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know what? I feel like that's, that, that's, that says something about me that there's a part of me that likes to laugh at that kind of stuff. Yep. It's a part of me I hate, but it's a part of me. And I hear stuff like that, and I'm kind of like, yeah, that guy's kind of funny. And then, uh, you know, it gets intense, and you go, oh, well, now I've, my world's kind of 
shooken up by that. Well, but how often does that happen where the guy that's a wild card? I mean, there was a there was a I don't know if it was a documentary or like a, a podcast that I was listening to talking about how Jeffrey Dahmer was this outcast in high school and he, he had this band of misfits that kind of followed him around and thought he was the greatest. The guy was obviously a lunatic and he was an alcoholic in high school and then he went on to eat people. But there was an there was an yeah, element. You get hungry when you're drunk. <laughs> but there was an there but there was there was an element of the culture in that high school that that turned him into the person that he was and reinforced everything he did. He had he had guys that revered him. I mean that was one of the more sobering things I've ever seen. You're like this guy's a complete lunatic, and obviously we know that. But at the same time, there were these a group of people that looked up to him at one point in his life. Yeah, it's crazy. Well. The human psychology of, of everything that happens around sports when you add more money and more fame and all of these rewards and all of these spoils, whether it's a kid that grew up in the circumstances like Marshawn Lynch or you have somebody like Josh Gordon that was just kind of, you know, all of his bad decisions reinforced or somebody that was born into privilege like Zach Smith that thought he could get away with everything. And like you said, there's probably 95% of the guys thought he was just a hoot to be around and we can't get enough of this guy. He's hilarious. Some of the things he does are crazy. And then it turns out, oh, some of the things he does are actually crazy. He's a five beers guy. <laughs> what's what's that? Five beers guy. So five beers guy is he's great to have five beers around, but then once he polishes off the six pack, leave, just leave, <laughs> because that's when yeah. S starts getting real. Yeah, I, I hung out with. I used to be five beers guy. And that's now, why you don't drink anymore. Uh, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> And it's not, it wasn't that I would do things that were what Zach Smith was doing, which were violent things towards women or, you know, you just did things, things you weren't proud of. No, did yeah. things I wasn't proud of. And I thought I was really funny for doing them. And, you know, it, it, everybody's met that kind of guy before. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, and I agree with you. It's just, you know, when, when do you, when do you cut him off? Yeah. Not drink wise. Like when do you cut him off from your life and realize like, nah, this guy's poison. Yeah. July. 23rd yes was that day that was it uh so we have dolphins kneeling in preseason games how's espn reacting to the is this year two or year three of the uh anthem protest it feels like year 15 it's year three year two of the active everybody kneeling. how is monday night football reacting to the continuation of the anthem protest in the nfl we'll tell you that next you're listening to the center and saint on 1080 the fan I'm just going to let the sticks play. Hell yeah. How much you love sticks. Oh, dude, this is... Uh, oh, you got to watch a little of the music video for this this morning when we were grabbing the music for the show. Oh, yeah. He's pointing down at the keyboard just showing you how he's... Oh, yeah, dude, this is like Acid Flashback Central. Acid Flashback Central, huh? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, I, I, I wouldn't know. That's fair. <laughs> I... I if your acid flashbacks are uh, to a Sticks soundtrack, yeah, I, I can't must relate. not have been very good acid. I can't relate to that. I guess that's <laughs> <laughs> what I'll say. You must not have gotten very quality stuff. No, there's definitely something wrong with you. Um, so, the Miami Dolphins. Are you familiar with the Miami Dolphins? Uh, yeah, I uh, I have seen them play on a football field before. They're famous for losing to the Patriots when you don't think they will. And then beating the Patriots when you think they suck. It's very strange. Yeah, they give you that kind of like, why did I think the Dolphins were going to beat the Pats? And then, yeah, they always. And then they do it. And they Well, but then they sneak up on them when you don't. Yeah. yeah. It's very fair assessment. Fair assessment of the Miami Dolphins. So the Dolphins, uh, they have players that are kneeling. 
Now, why are they kneeling? So because this is, this I interpret it they're doing it because they hate our troops. <laughs> and I, I won't listen to any other opinion. So go ahead and tell me why you think. Don't know. Don't know. Couldn't oh. tell you. <laughs> I don't either. Continuation of the protest started by Colin Kaepernick about uh, police violence against African-Americans. That's what it all stems from. But obviously, as you said, it's been, uh, it's been turned around where now it's a protest of the flag. So ESPN has a new president. John Skipper had to leave ESPN because of his Coke problem or he was blackmailed or something like that. Or somebody kidnapped his kid and he's working right now to try to get him or her back. So new ESPN president Jimmy Patero uh, told reporters Friday that the network does not plan to televise the national anthem as part of the Monday night football broadcast this season. Wow. What an incredible idea. Why didn't they do that a year ago? Well, ESPN actually has not been doing it, but the funny thing is that this makes news. Why don't all the networks just not broadcast it? Well, because then it's about them not broadcasting it. And how <laughs> dare you not broadcast American pride and patriot? Yes, it's why, why, why? So this is, is this just a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation or just hoping that, like, what's the best scenario for the NFL, that it just fades away? The best scenario for the NFL is that you convince every major network to please not show players kneeling. Now, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get all the residual effects of it because you're going to have reporters and people on the ground who are going to be taking photos and videos themselves and then spray them all over social media, right? Yep. That'll happen. Okay. But at least you're not going to have it over the audience that doesn't go on Twitter and look at that kind of stuff. It's the dude in Nebraska who's watching his favorite team who's 55 plus and sees that on CBS in the morning and freaks out and says, oh, my God, they're disrespecting the, the troops. Just don't show it. Don't show it. And then that guy eventually will forget about it. I, I mean, that's it. Just why are you showing it anyway? And honestly, I think the network showed it initially because they liked the hype around it. They liked the attention, and it caused a cre uh, uh, created a conversation. Now it's kind of biting them in the butt. Well, and the thing is, it wasn't always part of the pregame. The players weren't always part of the celebration, if you ha or the, the ceremony. Yeah. So if you can just eliminate that, there's going to be a major blowback, whatever decision you make. And we saw that with the NFL. And when they made their new policy where they were going to start fining players if they did it, they have already retracted that statement. Yes. And so that they're no longer going to do that that but the other thing about not televising is it if you're doing a protest and no one's there to watch it it's not a protest uh, so the, the tree the tree conundrum well but the other element of it is 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 why are players still using this as an avenue to get their voice out there they're using it because we're still talking about it so forget about the guy in nebraska if you eliminate the the publicity around it what does it do for a player to go out and kneel a, a protest that nobody hears is not a protest. If you sit in your living room going, ah, I hate that whatever, uh, that, that people cut down trees and you just sit there and yell at your wall, it doesn't matter what your protest is. Well, so, I mean, it, it works on both fronts. And ESPN choosing not to even televise the the anthem or or at least continue the, the not televising is the easiest way for ESPN and Monday Night Football to stay out of the headlines in that regard. Yes, and... I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of I do torn. stand up there. You're not even on TV. Well, and I'm torn in this situation too because I I want to support players. I do because I think that in any professional sport, you have to take the kind of laissez-faire 
type of opinion, right? You you can't benefit the owners too much because they're not the ones doing the heavy work. Without the players, you essentially don't have a product, right? Yep. And so you need to support them in anything that they choose to do within reason. And I think, you know, the NBA, I always go back to the NBA as one of the best professional sports leagues around. And there's drawbacks to having letting players have all their own control, uh, a.k.a. Kevin Durant and Boogie Cousins playing on the Warriors together. But then you have the great moments, which are a bunch of players standing up to Donald Sterling and forcing a commissioner to kick him out for life. Yep. Those are the good parts. And I think I would take those good parts over what the bad effect is, which is, yeah, it's a little unbalanced in terms of talent right now. And honestly, the only reason, and this is some, maybe I'm digging another hole here, but the only reason that players are doing this, I think, is you can blame LeBron James. And you don't have to blame him what he's done. You blame how talented he is. Because literally the only people, the only reason people are making super teams is because they don't know how to beat LeBron James. Well, but the other, the other thing that when you make the NFL NBA comparison is those audiences are not the same. I mean, you, you can, you can sit there, but the guy that you described, that guy in Nebraska, that's 55 and older watching his team and seeing someone kneel being upset about the flag. There's a lot more white America fan base to the NFL than there is to the NBA. I mean, that middle America, the veterans, the flag, the flyovers, there's a lot heavier military presence. There's a military connection. Nobody cares when the Academy is playing basketball. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a very different audience for football in this country than there is for basketball. And the size of the NFL audience is huge. You have everything on display on a Sunday, so there's a lot more criticism of the pageantry and everything that happens in it. Basketball, there's a whole game played. There's a lot more pauses. There's a lot more time to stop and have conversation between every play in an NFL game. And you have that big break between the big you know, ceremony that you do at the beginning and when they actually start playing football. There's a lot of time for those announcers to fill. And if they start talking about it, it has a very different reaction. Yeah, and I think that you touch on a good point that, you know, we the, the whole military comparison between two sports. And I, I, I kind of liken football to America's just need to feel like that there's a battle or a war going there's a, on. There's a great book, and I'll have to get you the title of it. I can't remember what it was, but it talks about the history of football and where football came war. from. And yeah. it's it's post-Civil War. They didn't have any way for their young males to go out and prove their toughness. And it was, it was a post-Civil War gladiator sport. I mean, the forward pass wasn't – it wasn't invented for, you know, uh, what, decades. I mean, they played football where it was just line up, and run into each other. And they invented the forward pass because 15 people died in a college football season where they had like eight teams. And Teddy Roosevelt had to go in there and be like, guys, we need to find a way to make it safer. And the forward pass was was a way that they can add in a little bit of trickery so that it wasn't just blunt force trauma right now. We're, we're going through that again where we're going, how do we make the game safer? How do we game, make the game safer? But that was that's the roots of football is how do we make it safer? Um Speaking of football, I'm watching a rerun of the preseason game between the Jags and the Vikings. Yeah. Blake Bortles just threw the best, the most disgusting interception I've ever seen. He literally, he's got a three-step drop back, and he's trying to throw to a check down to his running back. There's a friggin' linebacker sitting right in front of the running back. He threw to the linebacker. He did. He, he said, he literally in his brain went, oh, there's no one there. Oh, I'll just throw the check down and looked and saw purple playing the Vikings and just threw it to him. You love Blake Bortles. 
not your favorite quarterback. How the hell does he keep his job? Well, simple. He's brilliant in the fact that he's going to go out in the preseason and let you think that he's that bad. Then he goes out, and he's just a little bit better in the regular season, yeah, and that's good enough. He's getting better every game. What's that? It's getting better every game. Every game. Awesome uh, text, by the way, on the uh, Better You Today text line 55305. What if a troop hates the flag, but it's only because the they're a Dolphins fan and the flag reminds them of Patriot colors? Can they kneel? It's <laughs> an incredible question. I do not know the answer to that. I also don't know where we're going next. I've got a couple different decisions to make here. I've got a list of the top 10 best foods at NFL stadiums this year. Mm which kind of intrigues me, or what's the other one I got? Elmer's? What's that? Elmer's, Elmer's talk? Elmer, more Elmer's talk. Um, or I've got the uh, Point Break Fast and Furious uh, comparison. Yes, that one, please. Okay, we'll try to do both of those. We'll do them next, but uh, first we have to do the news. What is this show? The Sinner and the Saint? Yeah. What are we listening to? See the new uniforms, the Yankee-inspired uniforms of the Notre Dame's gonna wear. Yeah. You gonna get, you gonna get one? No. Those are terrible. Those are really bad. What were they thinking? So, we were, were you and I having this conversation? Because the new Ducks uniforms came out this week. Yeah. And. They look, you know, like the next evolution of the Ducks uniforms are fine. Uh, somebody's making fun of how big the numbers were on them. But I think, you know, they look good. They're they're, they're kind of stepping up. But you they're, expect... They're just every year trying to look more and more like a Tron movie. Mm, I don't know. I think they, they, they take steps towards that, and then it's like a sideways step. Like the Lewis and Clark uniforms were awesome. Yeah, those were... I, I always like anything Navy. Or the Oregon socks and shoes. Yeah. The orange socks and shoes mm -hmm. uh, with, the, like, the full duck one. So those aren't space age. So they go towards it, and then they step back. They always they always tend to lean that direction a little bit. But you expect that from the Ducks. They have set the precedent that they're going to come out with wacky uniforms. There are certain teams that do not need to change their uniforms. Last year, Ohio State wore, the like, the dark gray helmets, and it was, like, the all gray on gray. Yeah, that was odd. Yeah, what are you doing? You're... You're Ohio State. You don't need to change your uniform. Alabama hasn't changed their uniforms. Penn State hasn't changed theirs. USC hasn't changed theirs, and they don't need to. Notre Dame should be one of those schools. They've got pinstripe shoulders and a, a pinstriped backdrop of the Notre Dame emblem in homage to the Yankees? So I think the reason that Notre Dame does these type of things, and they've been doing it now for maybe about five years or so, is that you... Uh, Sorry, I'm just I'm watching Blake Bortles more. Um, <laughs> is that you have probably one of the most oldest and storied college football programs in the country, and yes. I, I think that maybe about a decade ago they said, "Oh wow, you know maybe we should kind of get with the times. Uh, you know maybe we should kind of update and try to appeal to recruits in a different way and say, hey, you know we're not just the old Notre Dame, we're also you know with it, we're hip." Yeah, but what's wrong with being the old Notre Dame where you're on national television every week on NBC and have been for 40 years? Because 18-year-olds like Flash, and that's why a lot of the people from Southern California, a lot of the big-name recruits decided to go to Oregon because, you know, you're you're pretty much at Nike University. You get new uniforms. You get new swag. You're, you're also on TV quite a bit, and uh, you're also kind of guaranteed to compete for the Pac-12 title every single year. And so... I think Notre Dame looked at that changing landscape and said, how can we appeal more to these 18-year-olds? Well, let's start doing weird jerseys. I don't know. I don't agree with it. Okay. 
You're, you're justifying it, but yeah. Yeah, it's not really working for I, me. I'm trying to see it from their point of view, but I don't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. I just want to make sure that you made that point and didn't believe any of that. Because I feel like if you're Notre Dame, Alabama doesn't have to do this. No. USC doesn't have to do this. Ohio State shouldn't have to do this. There's just certain ones that don't. Michigan's not going to do Notre Dame, you're better than this. Yes. I guess that's all I'm saying. Leave it to Maryland. Well, Maryland might be a bad example. Mm. Yeah. Now, I heard that players die there. They do. Um, he, here it is. Did we talk? Did you and I talk about this on the show, how Point Break and Fast and the Furious are the same movie? Uh, no, we haven't, but it's a popular theory that I have heard before, and it has validity. I swear I brought this up. Well, there is a new flow chart that's been uh, put out there that you can find on uh, Twitter. This is I, I found it through For the Win on USA Today. Yeah. Are you watching Point Break or Fast and Furious? Starts with this. Is your hero a puckish young, uh, it should be puckish, I would think, puckish young FBI agent? Yes. Okay. There's, there's only one option there. Yes. Uh, does it deduce an extreme uh, sportsman responsibility for a rash of crimes? Yes. Does he track them uh, to, un- does he track them by going undercover as part of the sport? Yes. Does he initially target the wrong set of criminals? Yeah. Of course he does. Mm-hmm. The best part is it goes through all of these things where the movie is exactly the same. And here's your point of differentiating the end. Is Vin Diesel in it? All right. That's your that's how you can tell if it's point break or it's the fastest. Now was period. it Gary Busey? Did did he Is Gary Busey in point break or who's who's in point break with him? I, I who's the old guy? Gary, Gary Busey and Point Break. I know Anthony Kiedis is in it. Point Break cast. Hold on just a moment. Yes, Gary Busey. He's the is other in agent. He's the other agent yeah. going after the guys. He's yeah. the guy that gets shot at the end. Spoiler alert. So, <laughs> I also famously with uh, Fast and Furious, and this is a very uh, perplexing thing for most of the guys on the station, is that. I got very confused by Fast and Furious. If you watch that movie and you okay. try to understand the plot, it is extremely hard to understand what's going on. No, it is not. Just on. watch Point Break. Okay, can you succinctly tell me what's going on in Fast and Furious? Yes, Paul Walker goes to infiltrate a uh, street racing gang to figure out who's causing these crimes. He buddies up with these guys. Okay, that- who, who who's he work for, though? FBI. Like, it's no, it's never indicated that he works for the FBI. He works for the FBI. That's what's the confusing part. No, no, no. The only thing that makes him legitimate is that he goes to a mansion during one scene, and he talks to some dudes with radio gear and badges. And you go, well, wait a second. Why are you meeting in a mansion? Why aren't you going to the police station to go talk to these guys? Because he's not part of the police. He's part of the FBI. Listen, your problem with Fast and the Furious is your problem. Now, tell a me legitimate which, problem. Tell me which one of these foods sounds the best. <laughs> Oh, so are you just going to rotate from this? You're not yes, even going to hear my opinion? I've heard your opinion. And then the end. The end of that movie. <laughs> Why are they racing? Why? Because he falls in love with the sport, just like Johnny Utah falls in love with surfing. As going to give Brody his chance to ride that one last wave, and then he disappears. They go out and they race because Paul Walker finds that he really loves racing and okay. the culture and the girl. End of that movie. Just like the other movie. Ben Diesel, Paul Walker, pull up to a stop sign, both in just sick sick freaking awesome race cars whatever buffalo buffalo bills have a fried pb and j sandwich look at each other in the eye and they don't even say anything luke they don't even say anything they just start racing detroit lions have dessert nachos what's the base of that 
they've uh, got some fried dough underneath there. It is. Uh, is it like tortilla chips with chocolate on them? Well, yeah, it's a, it's it's cinnamon and sugar crusted like tortilla chips. But yeah, it's like fried bread there. You know what? You could even do those. Uh, you could do those dessert nachos with just regular tortilla chips because then you get the salty and the sweet. Yeah. I suppose you have to get the right ones like Juanitas would be good for that. Oh, yeah. Juanitas are great chips for when you really don't care about the quality of the chip. You just want the salsa. And then most everything else on the list is just things that are too big and too hot. It's a hamburger with absolutely everything on it. I mean, the the top one is Arizona has one. It's got a third pound hamburger patty, five hot dogs, five bratwurst, 20 slices of American cheese, eight slices of bacon, eight chicken tenders. 12-ounce fries along with lettuce, tomato, pickle, and this is the Gridiron Burger Challenge. It's absolutely disgusting. With a Slurpee. <laughs> a Slurpee. I cannot wait for football season to actually start. Oh, dude, I know. And then we just tippy-toe around all these stories. We're getting, well, like, we can we can completely avoid these. Like this was like this was the big story this morning. Was it Josh Norman Oh, was returning, or Gordon was returning to football? I was like, yeah. well, yeah, of course he is. Like, did you really think that Josh Gordon would just not play this season? Did we figure out what we're doing for Crystal Balls next? Well, no, because there's nothing to predict. No, 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 not for this this show. We That was the thing. We were setting it where we needed to figure out what we were doing for the football season. You and I are going to have a challenge. Okay. For college football, and we'll pick pro games. We'll pick the games that we're picking every week. And we're going we're gonna to create a challenge. That's what Crystal Balls will be when I return from my final vacation of the summer. That's what it'll be. we actually have football season. That's what it'll be. That's what we'll do. Okay. So we'll figure that out next when we do Crystal Balls on the Center and the Saint. 1080 The Fan. I've been riding the Mariners roller coaster season all summer. I've been trying to get out and play some golf, raising kids. Can't wait to ignore all this crap and just watch football. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a time that I just don't have to think anymore. It's just like you know on the weekend, it's going to be football. We do our show. We preview the college football. And then you just go home and watch 12 games. Yeah. And Sunday, you just sit there and veg out and just watch it. You don't have to talk to your wife. You don't have to interact with people. Just sit there and put the flat screen on and just bounce back and forth. Get your red zone on. Dude, that's my favorite part, really, is that Sunday when it starts to get the last couple afternoon games. And then you start to kind of just go, oh, this is going to be an awesome evening. I get to watch Sunday Night Football and just hang out. Yeah, that's why fall to me is the greatest season there is. Well, I will say fall is perfectly set up to have football, too. It transitions you from summer into winter, and you just don't even realize it. Football just, as it gets colder, the games get more intense, as they should. It's like watching a Green Bay game, a home game, in September. You're like, all right, well, I'll be interested or whatever. But you get to December, and they're playing against the Vikings at home for a playoffs positioning. Man, it's fantastic. Snow's coming down sideways. Everything's frozen. The football season and the actual season fit so perfectly together. Well, and the weather, too, is just awesome because for you and I, one of my favorite things is that we get done with the show in uh, September, usually late September, and we get outside, and it's sunny like it is right now, but it's crisp and cold. And it's just that weather, that feeling you get is just... Feels like football. Oh, yeah, dude, you just go, oh, yeah, it's time for me to go home and sit in front of a TV for eight hours. Yep, exactly. Just not, scroll through the games. Not do anything. See how dumb the new Notre Dame alternate uniforms look? Yeah, and then uh, just, you know, watch a Beaver game and get disappointed. 
Exactly. What are you most excited about for this football season? Start with college. Mm. Most excited with this season? I actually, and this is a beaver talking here, I am kind of excited to see what, what's going to go on with the Ducks. Um, I, I think there is a lot of good and valid hype around uh, Justin Herbert's Heisman candidacy, though I don't think he'll win it because after the first four games, you'll kind of see who this team is. Maybe they will be that good, but they have one of the easiest non-conference schedules of any team in the Power Five. I, I, I think there's a lot of intrigue around that, but actually as a Beaver fan, I'm really excited to see how the Jonathan Smith culture will look in year one because there's really no player I'm excited to look at on that team. I've... I mean, we don't even know who our quarterback's going to be at this point. So uh, I'm not so much concerned about that. I'm just going to kind of see, like, hey, what is it like having Jonathan Smith as our head coach in the first year? I would say the whole Pac-12 North has me intrigued. I mean, it's year two of Josh Wil- uh, Justin Wilcox, who came in and I think surprised a lot of people at Cal, which is a team that you don't have a ton of interest in. Bryce Love is one of the top candidates for the Heisman Trophy, and he was insane in moments last year. I mean, you take away that ankle injury, he might have broken every rushing record in college football. You've might got- have won the Heisman, to be honest. Well, I, I, I'm, I think for sure, but I mean, yeah. he, I mean, God, he was, he was unbelievable to watch Oregon state. Exactly. Like you said, it's like they, they can't be as bad as they were last year, but even if they are, I think it's going to have a, there's no way it can have the same feel unless Jonathan Smith quits in the middle of the year and gives back all the money. I mean, yeah, com- whoa, 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 <laughs> please com- do not jinx us, but they're coming off the strangest college football season you've ever seen. Washington state is always intriguing as long as they have Mike Leach. And he tried to leave, so we'll see what happens. But you need a new quarterback there. So no, the post-Luke Falk era is intriguing. But Oregon, I think, is right at the top of the list of, of how good they're going to be. But the Washington Huskies have me really intrigued. People say their defense is as good as it was two years ago when they played, made it to the college football playoff. You've got all of these guys that were sophomores and freshmen when they when they made that run are now juniors and seniors. So you've got, you know, Miles Gaskin and, and, and all of these guys that have gotten bigger and smarter and go- – should be better football players, and you wonder if they can actually make a legit run. So I'll, I'll throw it to the whole Pac-12 North, I think, is going to be really intriguing. Well, to dude, and it's that same hype with the Huskies that gets you excited about Oregon State mm-hmm. because you go, okay, well, Jonathan Smith, yeah. pretty much for all of his professional career as an understudy, did it under Chris Peterson. Yeah. And so you kind of, as a Beaver fan, start to see this season as, okay, what well, what's the culture going to be like here? Because Chris Peterson, everywhere he's gone, he's instilled this very steady, even-keeled and successful culture where it's about, look, do your job, let the coaches coach, you go out and play, and we're just going to win games. Yep. And hopefully, you know, some of those effects will rub off on Oregon State and we won't suck. Rocks. <laughs> NFL, What is, what's your most... In, what are you most intrigued about going to the NFL? Uh, Josh Rosen. Really? Watched that preseason game last night with him uh, in Arizona. Yeah. Um, dude, he looks really good. <laughs> well, he throws the ball well. We knew that, right? Yeah. But I he, mean, they said he was the most NFL-ready arm. Yeah, but just the way he sits in the pocket, too, he looks. He just looks friggin' relaxed. Like, he he looks like he just kind of has been there. You know, he, he doesn't he doesn't seem very rattled. And even moments where uh, there was one play where he was having a DN trail him from behind and who was just about to hit him. You could tell he could feel it, but he made the throw anyway. And it was a really good throw. You, you could just tell he already has that comfortable sense in the pocket. So I, I'll be interested to see how he develops. And um, I absolutely have no interest in the Seahawks whatsoever. That's fine. I, I just don't. I, I you know, 
Well, here, let, let, me, well, throw, let me throw you mine, because I won't say it's the Seahawks, but even though they're a part of it, and I'm going to do something very similar to what I did in college football, it's the, it's the NFC West. I mean, the NFC West has, you have Josh Rosen, which is, which is part of that storyline. You've got year two of what the Rams are doing. And if you look at this, if we go back two years ago, it was, I mean, that's, it was at the Cowboys, right? I mean, the Cowboys went 13 and three. Dak Prescott was, you know, rookie of the year. Ezekiel, you're like, this team is really going to get something going. And they kind of took a step back. Will the Rams do the same thing coming off of a great season year two with Sean McVay? So apparently no Aaron Donald right now. Not right now. So, well, that and they bring in Marcus Peters and Tlaib, and you have all of these guys where you go, oh, what's going to happen with the chemistry on this defense? Brandon Cooks is going to be out there. This the, the Rams are very interested to see if they can maintain that pace, which I don't think they can. You throw in the Seahawks into it in this build rebuilding or building mode, whatever they're in, will they'll at least be interesting to watch because they haven't been in a position where they haven't had expectations going into it in the season for a very long time. And then Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo taking the reins of a team as a day one starter will be the first time we've seen that. I mean, I realize he started for the Patriots game one, but we knew it wasn't his season. So how good will the 49ers be? Well, I, there, there's so many unanswered questions in that division that honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if, any one of those four teams won, and I wouldn't be surprised if those same four teams lost. You know what I mean? Like, if the Seahawks yeah. finished first or last, I'm not surprised. If the if the Cardinals would probably be the most surprising to finish first, but I wouldn't be that surprised. Well, and I wouldn't be that surprised if Jimmy G got crabs. He probably already got him. You think so? Oh, <laughs> of course. What's crabs to Jimmy G, honestly? Nothing. He just shaves everything off. Yeah. yeah. It's not an issue. No. No. It's not. How many days till football? It's we're two weeks away. I mean, we have football next week and we have college games. We don't have any big time college games. I think the biggest game next weekend is Hawaii. Might be. Hawaii Might be. and uh, Idaho or Iowa. But there's a great slate of games week one in college football. But yeah, going into Labor Day weekend, that's it. We're rocking and rolling. That's college football season. Yeah. Yeah. Are we done with the show? No. Oh. <laughs> what time does the show end? <laughs> Uh, you got about 30 seconds. <laughs> God, isn't that sad? So we're, we're at a point, you know, usually this is a moment in the show where we'd point out some weird theory about a movie or how much, you know. We one, just did that in the whole last segment with yeah, that. Or like how much some athlete's name sounds like a different profession. Usually that's where we would put this, but there's nothing. All that's left is football. You know, I go home at night. And I can't even really pay attention to what my fiance is saying anymore. All I do is just stare into space, and there's some echoey, reverby voice in the back of my mind going, football, football. So you're already married then. Football. Just <laughs> waiting for the ceremony. <laughs> Welcome to Mary Life. Look, All right. Look, All right. Hey. Look, we need to pay this power bill. Football. <laughs> Honey, uh, the kids. At long last, the summer is nearly over. This show is definitely over. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. We Bye-bye. haven't even played the music. I know, but it's. You el- can't end the show like it's 11 that. o'clock. What time does the show get over? It's not 11 o'clock. It's 10.57. What time do we end the show? What time do we end the show? About now. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. 
Fiji's uh, in Europe. Uh, you're drunk. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.